Hello and welcome to Spiraling Upwards, where we are in pursuit of real holiness of life as a daily response to grace in the companionship of our Lord Jesus Christ and in the love of God the Father. I am Father Robert Healy, and I am delighted to welcome you to episode 14. Today we will be talking about aiming more accurately. And this is a delightful sort of topic because I love shooting sports, I always have, bows and arrows and guns and and all sorts of things, you know, whether it be skeet shooting or, or target shooting or, or um, hunting or those sorts of things. Um, when you have a target, you're not guaranteed just to hit that target unless you're also good at aiming, unless you are capable of taking the various different visual cues and various different, you know, understanding of the wind and, and everything and arranging your own actions, you might say, so that the projectile, whether it be a bullet or an arrow or a throwing knife or a tomahawk or whatever it is, sails through the air and hits a target on point. If you're playing darts or if you're bowling or if you are um, doing anything that that takes a precision throwing of an object, there is an aspect of aim. And so we might say that there are a couple of things involved in aiming Right? There is a target. That's the most obvious, I think. The fact that there is a target, whether it be a piece of paper with a couple circles drawn on it, whether it be a bowling pin, or whether it be a dartboard. Right? The target is the thing I'm aiming at. Okay? In our case, in the spiritual life, the thing we're aiming at is a life of charity. Is uh, walking the straight and narrow. Staying close to Christ. We don't want to fall off to the left or to the right. We don't want to aim too high or too low. All this kind of talk of aim really high so that at least when you fall short of it, you hit the middle. But if, because if you aim in the middle and you fall short of it, I'm not quite interested in, in doing that. That We'll get to, the, we, there's aspects of that that have value, right? But if I'm aiming, what I'm actually doing is not, just, just, trying, not trying, just trying to aim high. Aiming high is part of aiming. So if I'm shooting a bow and arrow, or I'm shooting a gun, and I know that the target is 200 yards away, and my gun is sighted in for 100 yards, well, I'm going to have to aim high. Why? Not because I'm actually aiming high, but actually because by aiming the level of my gun higher than what seems to be straight on, I'm actually aiming right at the middle of the target because I'm accounting for the drop of the projectile, that sort of thing. So um, I want the bullet to hit right in the middle of the target. Then I'm going to have to account for, as part of my aim, I have to account for the drop of the, of the bullet over space. Now, this isn't a ballistics, uh, you know, this isn't a bow and arrow or a, or a shooting guns um, course, right? We're talking about the spiritual life. And all of this I'm describing is in analogy, by way of analogy. The target, if the target is the spiritual life that I'm trying to live, then living a life of perfect charity would be every single time, every single time I pull the trigger, or every time I draw back the bow and I fire that arrow, it strikes right in the middle. That's what I want. I want to be striking right in the middle. Of course, this isn't going to be possible without the grace of God, but the grace of God is what is actually giving me 
a bow to shoot, you might say, was putting an arrow on my bow. It's charity that is the bullet. I'm not, I didn't make this up, uh, by the way, it's this analogy. I'm, I'm borrowing this from Father Michael Champon. Father Michael Champon is a uh, priest down in Louisiana. He's with a religious order called the Community of Jesus Crucified, I believe, if I'm not mis, uh, misremembering the name of his community. He's hilarious. He's a wonderful theologian, and he also packages his his teaching very, uh, very beautifully in terms of trucks and tractors and sports and and tools and uh, hunting and all sorts of things that are very uh, approachable for for men like me, anyway. And so, in his talking about uh, the relationship between charity and prudence, he says, "Now, charity." Charity is the bullet, and you got to get the. You don't want to. You're not going to kill the deer if you don't have a bullet in your gun, you know. But uh, but but prudence, prudence is the scope on the gun, and you need to have the scope if you're going to shoot correctly. And what is he getting at in this wonderful, delightful analogy? He's saying that if I want to live a life of charity, even my attempts to be charitable. Even my attempts to live and to speak and to think in a way that is loving toward other people has to be governed by this wonderful virtue of prudence. The idea that prudence is the scope that guides my shots. So what happens? What happens? So I'm, I'm looking at this piece of paper downrange that has a circle painted on it, and I, I, I aim very carefully. I'm looking through my scope, and I put the crosshairs right in the middle, and I pull the... Ba- the I pull the trigger, bang, and I look through my scope and I can see a hole in the left-hand bottom corner of the paper. What's wrong? My gun is defective. Uh, or, or I'm just a really bad shot. Or the scope is off. It could be one of these three. Could, there could be other things. It could be that I'm not counting for the fact that there's wind. Could be I yanked the gun too fast, or I was anticipating something. Whatever. But how about how about if I aim again, and I pull the trigger again, bang, and I see another hole right next to the one that I just left there, down in the left hand corner. Hmm. The more that I do that, and the reason that someone is, who's sighting in a rifle will aim the at the middle of the target and shoot you know, a grouping of five shots, is because he wants to see, is he shooting accurately? If every time he shoots, um, the bullet is in some other place, clear on the other side of the paper or not on the target, well, then he knows that he's just a bad shot. <laughs> or the gun is just really poor, you know, or just like there, something's not. But uh, it's really encouraging when you are sighting in a, in a scope to see that you shoot five shots and your shots are all within a few centimeters of each other, or even even within a centimeter or two, you know, and with an inch, you know, you can put a, a quarter on on the paper and it touches all the holes. That's really good. It may be way off to the bottom corner, but what I, at least I see is encouraging. I see I'm being accurate, and then I can adjust the scope. I can adjust the scope so that the next time I aim uh, right in the middle of the target, I have adjusted for it to go up and I've adjusted to go to bring it over so that now I pull the trigger and the bullet strikes smack in the middle of the target. 
And I say, yeah, right? That is exactly what I wanted to do. Well, there's something fulfilling, of course, about hitting the target in the middle. But we're not just talking about something fulfilling. We're talking about actually living a life of grace, living a life of cooperation with the grace of God, being a person who is motivated by real love, by real charity, um, and whose actions don't, don't veer off to one side or another, to one extreme of, of vice or to another extreme of vice, but someone whose actions are always clear and constant and on target. Now, with all the virtues, um, one might say, with each virtue, there are not just one, but two opposite vices. And this is to say that, that um, take courage, for instance. We may have talked about this before, but it's worth repeating if we have. Take courage, for instance. Courage has two opposite vices. What's opposite of courage? Cowardice, of course, right? Cowardice is the lack of courage. Um, but there's another, ver- uh, another vice which is opposed to courage, and that is reckless, recklessness, uh, being rash. And rashness, rac- recklessness, is opposed to courage because the courageous man is not being reckless. He's being uh, courageous. He's not on the one hand strange, just like, oh yeah, let me just add him, let me add him. He recognizes there is a danger. He's not just rushing in headlong but he's not a coward. And the coward's saying, you're going to get us all killed. And the, the rash man is saying, come on, chicken, what's the matter? Are you scared? And the courageous man is doing neither one. He's not saying, we're going to get all killed. Nor is he saying, well, just caution to the winds. But he is assessing the situation and responding virtuously as a courageous man would. Or take humility, for instance. We talked a lot about humility last week. Humility is opposed to two different vices. Pride, on the one hand, but also this false humility, which seems to be humility but isn't. The humility of, oh, I'm just no good. I'm just, I'm really not worth anything. I don't have anything to contribute to the world. God has done nothing good by making me false. False. God made you good. So neither is it virtuous to be, I'm a worm, I'm a worm, nor is it virtuous to say, I'm the best thing in the world and everyone needs to come and listen to my high-sounding opinions. The humble man is writing on a, on a different wavelength altogether. He's not just merely in a continuum between these two vices. He's uh, above them. And so the, the middle road is not just in the middle between the two, it's also up, lifted up. I like to refer to this as the triangle of opposites, that there's like three opposites, the opposite of courage and the other opposite of courage, and they're opposed to each other, or the opposite of affability and the other opposite of affability, the grouchy guy who is not affable, not friendly to anybody, and the sycophant who's just kind of coming along and trying to suck up to everybody who he encounters and isn't really genuine. The affable person is actually friendly because he's actually genuine. So with every virtue, we have these opposite. We can we can veer off to the left. We can veer off to the right. Now, to get back to the aspect of aiming, when I am striving in the spiritual life to, uh, to grow, and I find that I'm making the same mistakes again and again and again and again and again, 
I could take that as a source of grave disappointment. Uh, I'm just never going to get over this. I'm never, I'm never, whatever. But what I'm capable of doing if I recognize that I'm grouping my shots is adjusting my scope. Saying, you know what? Probably part of my problem is I'm being imprudent. Hmm. What are the parts of prudence? Well, the integral parts, parts of prudence, as St. Thomas would talk about, uh, would be things like memory, the virtue of memory, which is the virtue by which I remember things, I remember what are the right things to do. Right? I, I say, oh, I remember when I'm in this situation, I should do this. I'm on fire, what should I do? Stop, drop, and roll. Okay, this is remembering the right sorts of things that I should do. Or something like understanding. Understanding is the virtue by which I, I grasp the practical principles and the nature of various situations. So I'm, I'm able to look at it and I kind of see what's going on. This is part of prudence, right? Being able to actually see where is the target and what's, where, where is the middle. What is the, the point that I'm trying to strike? Docility. Docility is the virtue of being able to be led and taking counsel from other people. A docility, which means docere in Latin is to teach. So docility is to be teachable. Someone who's teachable. I'm able to be led. I'm able to take counsel from other people. I say, hey, so um, what do you think? And I'm not just sitting there criticizing every, every word that comes out of their mouth at that point. I say, what do you think? And then, well, but I don't like that. I don't like that. I don't like that either. If, I'm, I've, if I have docility, I say, tell me what do you think. I'm only asking people I think are wise, first of all. Um, and then I'm wanting to take into account what they have to say. Or shrewdness. Shrewdness is the, quick, uh, the quickness in arriving at the means to the end. So I've got some end, some purpose, some goal, the target, the middle of the target that I'm trying to get to. And there's a means to get there. There's a means of correcting um, my actions in order to be able to arrive at that end. And I'm quick to come to that because I've been building a virtue of shrewdness, of being able to recognize what are the various different means to ends and say, okay, that's the end I want. This is the means. Done. And I'll have to waste a lot of time humming and hawing about it. Um, the virtue of foresight would be the ability to see future outcomes of actions based on past experience. I've experienced things in the past and I, I look at this situation and I say, you know what? I've seen something like this before and I bet that this is how that will result. And I don't want to do that. So I'm able to kind of see, it's not like I can actually see the future, but I can predict pretty well and say, well, let's, uh, let's not do that. <laughs> this particular course of action, uh, saying this particular word right at this moment when this person is in this steam is not going to help anything. So I'm going to hold my tongue. This would be an aspect of foresight, right? I can see the future because I can see the past and I've been learning from the past. And all these are integral parts of prudence because the prudent man is taking into account the experiences he's had in the past and the wisdom of others and the awareness that he has of the right now and applying these things to the particular goal to be achieved and the, the future outcome and seeing forward what is to do. So I've shot guns many, many years. I'm a crack shot and I pick up a new rifle and I take one shot and I see its way off to the side. I know exactly what to do to counter it. 
I know exactly what to do to aim it properly because I understand all the various different laws that are involved, right? In the exact same way, the person who is prudent, the more prudent they are, the more they're capable of seeing uh, situations and saying, oh, I've been here before. I know what this is like. Oh, I listened to some wise person say this, and I remember that. And now, drawing on all these various different bits of wisdom, um, I can correct my aim. And I think that correcting of aim is is something which requires what we talked about last week, humility. Because correcting one's aim involves recognizing that my aim's a little off. That doesn't mean that my aim is way off. At least I'm on the paper. And it doesn't mean that I'm all over the place and I'm just a horrible shot. I'm still grouping my shots, but I see that I'm making a repeated mistake again and again and again. And now I need to go in and I need to correct that mistake and that's a part of growing in, in prudence, is being able to see from my past mistakes and not make them again. In fact, one of the, uh, some of the ver- vices that are opposed to prudence, like precipitation, which is not taking good counsel, I just don't ask anybody. I'd, I've heard it described as tripping down the stairs. Precipitation is like jumping to conclusions and then missing your step because you um, you got too hasty about it. Or failing to take uh, failing to take the proper means, you know, craftiness would be using all the the improper means uh, to try to get the end. Ooh, I'm if I just this is where I'm trying to get to, so I can use all these wrong means to try to get there. That would be the vice of craftiness. I'm not really interested in doing the right thing. I'm only really interested in getting what I, what I particularly want. Now, what we're going for here, and what I'm simply trying to draw up before you, is that as I look at myself and I see my flaws, especially in prayer, when we're, when we're seeing our flaws in prayer, as the Lord is bringing things up to us, this is something that's going to happen in Lent, if we're doing Lent well, you might say. Doing Lent well. What a phrase. If I'm living in the spirit of Lent, if I'm fasting and and uh, if I'm praying and I'm almsgiving and I'm doing the various different things that the church invites me to do during Lent and I'm separating myself from the love of things and I'm building my love for Christ, I'm going to see there are areas, there are places in my life where I am off target. And I could either get distressed and say, no, I'm a better shot than that. Or I could say, hmm, it looks like I need to correct my aim. And that just that recognition does a lot to correct my aim. 